starting a series on prayer and the importance and the power of prayer and what that means in the lives of believers. And, you know, one of the important ways we can be supporting missionaries in the video we just saw for EMI uh, is, is praying for them. And uh, interesting, you know, that Steph had those connections with Andy, who works with EMI. Uh, there's a lot of missionaries that the church supports uh, in a lot of different fields, a lot of different areas, with a lot of different connections. So I encourage you, uh, we have that missionary prayer book in the back, to pick up one of those copies and just make that a regular part of your prayer life. Is just supporting them in, in that prayer, and that really means a lot uh, to them, more than you could ever know. Uh, but we're talking about prayer, though, uh, this, this series and, and the importance of prayer in the life of believers. There's, there's a lot of power that prayer has that we simply don't understand. And certainly there's the connection in the way that prayer affects the world around you. And, and I'll be honest, I've been a Christian for a long time. I still can't fully comprehend that, that power can have that kind of prayer, or that prayer can have that kind of power. But what I've been really preparing for in this series, and what's important is, is the power that prayer has in the life of the believer itself. It's, it's more than just having this influence in the world around you. Prayer itself, when it becomes a regular discipline and a part of your life, really changes who you are. It changes your perspective and your priorities. It changes the way you see the world around you, the people around you, and even how you see yourself Prayer has much power in the life of a Christian. And it's certainly a core of our faith and our practices. And yet, while we know this, prayer is, is actually a struggle for many. Uh, there's uh, some research done recently that said about 80% of Christians do pray regularly, but only 28% of them feel a confidence that they're praying about the right things, or that they're praying in the right way or with the right attitude. And there's a lot of people who are actually pretty insecure about their prayer life. And so that's why we want to go through some just different facets of prayer and some styles of prayer through this series to really unlock that power in your own life. But as I was preparing for this sermon and this series, I thought about a one kind of parallel thing. Have you ever heard of, of life hacks? Like those, those things that make your life easier or more efficient, those things you never really knew uh, and, or maybe items that uh, aren't being used to their full potential in your life. Uh, I, I did some Googling on this, and I have some examples I want to share with you that just kind of blew my mind in this last week. Um, but how many of you uh, never knew that grocery, grocery carts had this feature built into them to give you more space? Like literally every grocery cart has this, and yet I'm one that will always throw heavy stuff on top of my bread and my eggs but this is one of these things in your lives you probably never knew uh, would make your life more simple. How many of you pour milk out in a carton like this and it goes everywhere because it glugs and, uh, and, and goes, it shoots over your cup? They're actually designed to be poured upside down. Maybe you ever knew that, but that gives it the proper airflow so you don't overshoot your cup. How many of you always are looking for a spot to put your spoon when you're cooking? Like every saucepan is built to hold the spoon to keep yourself, uh, keep your stove from getting messy and dirty. This is one I knew about a while ago, but I've never actually utilized. Those takeout containers from uh, Chinese, plate, uh, Chinese places are actually designed to fold out into a plate so you can warm them up and eat them on a disposable plate and throw it away when you're done. Now, floss. How many of you floss regularly? 
How many of you are lying about flossing regularly? <laughs> One of the things I don't like about flossing is that it always cuts off the circulation of my fingers as I'm doing it. But I learned that floss is actually designed to kind of tie an overhand knot in, and you use that tension to floss your teeth, and you kind of just go around in a circle in your mouth. I've not tried that out, um, but I'm certainly going to the next time I floss, definitely today. Um, <laughs> but this one is the one that really blew my mind, and I had to test it out immediately. Talking about life hacks. I, I like to eat oranges, but no matter how you do it, you do the spoon thing, or you kind of cut it in sections, and it's always messy, and juice goes everywhere. You can cut off the top and the bottom of an orange, and to put a slice in it, and it just rolls out, where like the rind kind of becomes a plate, and you can just pull off the sections as you want them. I did this with a clementine, uh, and, and I did it again to make sure it worked, and it, and it works beautifully. I'm convinced this is how God designed oranges to be, <laughs> and we've been doing it wrong this whole time. But I bring up these things because there's all those things in life you maybe aren't doing to their full potential or the ways that they were designed to be. And, and prayer is much the same in our life. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that, that we all pray, I'm sure, in our own ways and the times we need to. But we don't always pray to the fullest potential and in the ways that God has designed it to be. And there's not necessarily a bad prayer in life. I think any way that you bring things to God, even praying for the wrong things, for the wrong reasons, with the wrong attitude. If you're at least talking to God about it, he's going to work through that moment in you. But throughout this series, I want to expand our ideas of prayer. It's more than just praying for stuff or praying for specific moments. It could be prayers of the simple, Lord, help me find my keys, to the intricate where you're talking to God for hours about everything on your life. It could be passing thoughts to really expressing these deep desires of your heart. It could be prayers of joy and adoration and exclamation when things are going well in your life. Or prayers of grief and suffering and sorrow when things are tough. You could be praying for others. You could be praying for yourself through self-examination and confession. There's many dimensions to prayer. But as we start this series, I thought there's no better place to start then praying the way Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. And this is in Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 through 13. You can start opening up there now. But we're about to read these handful of verses are actually the most memorized scripture in the world. Many people have this prayer memorized. Christians and non-Christians Alike, And it's uh, actually interesting to note that many Christians have had this prayer memorized, or professing Christians have this prayer memorized their whole life, and had no idea that it was in the Bible. And beyond that, they had no idea that Jesus was the one uh, giving this prayer in the Bible. But in this moment, Jesus gives us this example of how we are to pray in all of those moments in, in life and in these verses. So let's uh, pray together. We're going to read this, and I won't have it up on the screens today. We're going to be going through it as we go, so I encourage you to open up your Bibles now to, to Matthew 6. But let's pray together before we read. So Lord, we just want to thank you for the gift of prayer and the reality that we can come to you, that we can trust you in all things, that you are all-knowing, that you have wisdom and grace in, in every situation. And so God, I pray for us for today and throughout this series in our daily lives, that we would truly have this boldness and this confidence to come to you with everything that's on our hearts. 
knowing that we're giving it over to you, the one who can work through any situation in the way that it will always be the best. So I pray now as, as we talk about how we are to pray, praying like you taught us to pray, that we would uh, just expand prayer in our life, that it would be a part of every moment that we truly pray continuously or pray without ceasing. So in this time, Lord, speak to us now. Uh, speak to us through your very words as we understand the power of prayer in our lives and as we pray in the model that you have taught us to. And we pray this now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Matthew 6, we're going to read uh, verses 9 through 13. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we, have also, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So it's kind of a prayer, again, most of us have memorized. Maybe have memorized in different words or different translations. And it's a prayer that many have said over and over again without maybe taking a moment to realize what it is you're saying and why. And so I'm going to split this prayer into four sections. What we call the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. It's it's Jesus' prayer for us, his followers. And the first thing we see in in verse 9 is that we're to speak praises to God. And the words there are, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And when you really think about what's being said here and, and, and what we're saying and who we're speaking to, it kind of just unlocks, for me, the amazement of prayer. But let's look at that first line first. Our Father in heaven. When we're praying, who are we speaking to? And the word our really gives this idea that, that it's not my God, my Father, it's our Father. That when you become a Christian, you become of something much greater than yourself. You're a part of God's family. And there's great significance to this because throughout this prayer, the words I, me, or mine never occur. But rather, we pray about ourselves as a collective whole, one family under God the Father. And Father itself is, is a word that is kind of new in this moment for believers. They talk about Father in a lot of ways in the Old Testament. But this is actually the first instance that, that God is addressed as Father in prayer. And the Jews at this time never would have dreamed about addressing God as Father in prayer. But Jesus gives us this example now, and his followers had been doing it. And we continue this, to this day to refer to God as Father. And this really uh, is an understanding of God's nature and, and our relation to him, that he loves us, that he cares for us as a father would a child, and that we've become adopted into his family, that when we pray to God, we know who he is, but we also know that he cares for us and he loves us deeply. But he's our Father in heaven. And this is where we balance kind of some informality with God with true respect and a reverence of who he is. He's our Father, but he's also our King. 
And our Father in heaven has the utmost of love and care for you, but he also has infinite power and majesty. Remember who you're praying to when you pray. And take some time to speak praises to his name. That's where the, the words hallowed be your name really means a lot. Like hallowed is, is this sense of honor and respect that God is set apart. He is far above any one of us. And that helps us understand who we are in the midst of this holy God. That his name is holy or hallowed. And name is more than just his actual name. My given name is Dominic, but that's not who I am. There's a lot of Dominics in the world. Who I am is my character, my nature, everything about me, the things I say, the things I do. When we say God's name is holy, we're talking not just about his name. We're talking about all of who he is. There's no one like God. And when we pray, we're speaking to this unique and holy, and infinitely powerful, and majestic, and loving, and merciful God. That's crazy to me. And I still try to wrap my mind around the fact that we can talk directly to God, the creator of everything, who is outside of time, and boundless, and power, and wisdom, and mercy, and grace, And I try to wrap my mind around some example that we could relate to. And I'm I'm thinking if the president says to you personally, you know what, here's my number that you can call me anytime, day or night. Tell me what's on your mind. I will listen to every word and I'll do everything in my power to do what's best for you in that moment. We probably wouldn't hesitate. And there's probably some saying, oh, I'd have a lot of things I'd love to say to the president right now. But just that idea, regardless of who the president is, there would be this humbling moment for you that someone in that position would come to you and say, you can talk to me anytime. And that's what prayer is, is realizing who God is and who we are and that we can talk to our Father in heaven. We have that ability. And there's a lot of days that I don't, I'm not able to do much. Uh, last week, everyone in our house was sick uh, one day, and I, I had a day at home. And three-quarters of the day, I realized I had my shirt inside out <laughs> all day long. Never knew. I was not able to put on my shirt that day, but I was able to talk to my Father in heaven. We may not be able to do much. We may be very small in comparison to who he is, But take some time in your prayer just to praise him and remind yourself who it is you're talking to and be amazed by that in prayer. And with that, it can give you a fresh perspective of whatever you're going through. You know what? God is bigger than me, which means he's also bigger than my problems. And if I bring these things to him in prayer, I can stop being anxious about it. I can stop being fearful about all of these things. And now it's in God's hand. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be his name. Speak some time, or take some time to speak praises to God and remember who it is you're talking to. The second part of this prayer is is really kind of realigning your priorities and seeking God's priorities. And really, I should have put the word first here. Seek God's priorities first 
in your life. And we read, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, there's a chance you spoke these words hundreds or maybe thousands of times in your life, and you never really truly took a moment to understand what it is you're saying. Your kingdom come. Now, this is understanding that God is king over everything. And his kingdom means his priorities, and his reign comes first in our life. When we pray, your kingdom come, we are saying, God, I want you to completely rule over my life. And I'm giving you my full trust and submission to whatever it is you have for me. Your kingdom come, and when you pray, that means I want my perspective and my priorities to be your perspective and your priorities. And his kingdom should supersede anything of our own agenda. And it's this prayer of remembering in your life who really is in charge, or at least who should be in charge. And you're trusting everything to him in full submission. Kingdom really talks about God's reign in our life. When you pray, your will be done, that's very similar, but instead of God's reign, it's more about God's plan. What he wants is what I want. His plans, I want them to be my plans. Your will be done, Lord, above my will. And however you work, your understanding is better than my understanding. And not only does it say that, but it says that, you're, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this really means you're praying that all obstacles and all objections would be removed from your life for God to do things in his way and in his, his time. Not with reluctancy or resentment or resignation. But you're praying, God, just as your will is done in heaven, I want it to be done in my life with great excitement and passion and joy. Now, here's the thing about God when you understand how powerful he is. For his will to be done, it does not require our participation. His will is done regardless of how we feel about it. But this prayer is for our benefit, not his. You do not want to find yourself outside of the will of God. And when you know who he is and how much he loves you and his divine wisdom, there's no other place you would frankly rather be. God's will often requires us to give up our wants. And that's a tension we feel often in prayer. The application here is in your prayer life, try to sort out what's going on in your life. Is this what I want or is this what God wills? And pray about it. Pray about it. Maybe some of you are unhappy with the situation in your life. Maybe you've been in a job that you're really struggling to go to every day. And you, you just dread this commute. You can't stand your boss. Your work is boring to you. But you say, God, what is your will for my life in this moment? What do you have for me today in this moment? Is there someone you want me to talk to? Is there some way I can honor you 
Is there some way you can be working through me in this moment? Helping me thankful to be, to be, to help me to be thankful in what you've given me today. But hand over the things of your life to God and say, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we see the true power of prayer here that we're going to be talking about throughout this series. Is, is prayer is not just this transactional thing of, God, I want you to give me this thing. And you wait for it to happen. It's not some transaction. It's a transformational activity. That when you pray things like, your kingdom come, your will be done, you understand life differently. Your priorities are realigned. And if you're feeling maybe a friction or a frustration in your prayer life, I'm assuming it's probably in this one area. That you might be viewing prayer as some mechanism to change God's mind. But the, the real value of prayer is that he can change your heart. And there's some who, who have this misconstrued, misconstrued concept of prayer that if you, you believe that if you pray about something and demand of God something long enough and passionately enough that, that he will eventually wear down and he will bend and cease to our will. And there could never be a more dangerous understanding of prayer. If your prayer is, God must give me what I ask if I believe hard enough, that is not a prayer of, your will be done. That is a prayer of, my will be done. The truth is, just so you know, absolutely nothing we ask for is outside of God's ability and power. But there's many things we ask for that are beyond his will. And that's where prayer becomes powerful because it becomes this moment you can understand and appreciate and become passionate about God's good and perfect will in your life. Your kingdom come, your will be done, and whatever you're going through in life is one of the most powerful and meaningful prayers you can offer. And with that, there is this clear relationship or correlation in the scriptures between asking and receiving. And I'll be honest, I've been studying this a long time. I've been praying a long time. I still don't fully understand that connection. And it's amazing to me that I could ask for something and God would give it to me. But it's clear if you're praying in God's will and for his glory and his purposes that he responds to your prayers. And that's what the next portion is about is asking God for the needs in your life, asking for God's provision. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is really talking about the needs in your life, and more specifically, it's the daily needs in your life. And when you know who God is, you understand that God is a God who provides. Jehovah Jireh means God the provider. That's one of the names of God, but we understand how God provides for our lives. He provides for you what you need when you need it. And at times you may be blessed with excess, but God always promises to give you exactly what you need when you need it, day by day. That's why we read in this, give us today our daily bread. This is really a prayer of this daily dependence on God, moment by moment, no matter what you're going through. 
And bread really represents kind of all you need for physical sustenance in, in life, everything you need to keep going. And oftentimes we get this uh, desire for excess. I think the North American church is more concerned with comfort than we are daily provision. And at times we can feel like God is failing us, but God never promised us tomorrow's bread. He promised us today's bread. And this is a lesson that he taught to the Israelites as they wandered through the desert, and God gave for them every single day the manna from heaven, the daily bread. And he said, Do not store bread for tomorrow, for I will give you everything you need day by day. And what Jesus is saying is this should be our prayer life as well. We can certainly pray for tomorrow and think about tomorrow, but trust in God for what you need right now. And it's this assurance that God may not always give you what you want, but he will always give you what you need when you need it. And this might just go beyond food here. It certainly does. It might say, God, I'm about to have a difficult conversation with my family member. So God, give me wisdom. Give me grace in this moment. God, this medical bill stacked up well beyond what I thought it would be. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. I just trust you, God, to provide for us in this moment. Maybe it's just a, a time to thank God when you realize how he's working. God, thank you for giving me all I need today. My house, my clothes, my food, my job, my friends, my family. But as this reminder in our prayer life to bring all things to God, your daily needs that he provides. And with that, if, if bread is the necessity for the body, then forgiveness is the necessity for the soul. So we're to pray about uh, forgiving God forgiving us of our debts or our sins, and we forgive of those who have sinned against us. And the word debt here is an interesting word. It is used to convey sin. And this word is only used only one other spot in all of the Bible. But it means that when we sin, we're placed in an indebtedness to God. And we can't work that sin off. We can't correct this debt. We can only be forgiven of that. And that's how sin works in our life, is we cannot earn forgiveness. We can only ask God for forgiveness and trust in him completely for that. And what we know is that when we ask God for the forgiveness of our sins, it is given freely and is given without condition. You must just trust in him for the fullness of your forgiveness. And forgiveness itself is one of those, I'm, I'm thinking about speaking more specifically on that later in this series. We'll see if we get there. But forgiveness is another crucial part to the Christian life. And there's a bit of an exposition here from Jesus in verses 14 and 15 after this prayer is done. And on that topic, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty serious. And on the surface, it almost seems like if you're not able to forgive other people, God will never forgive you. But what this is really saying is if you have truly been forgiven by God of your sins, then you will certainly offer that forgiveness to others. And if you don't offer that forgiveness to others, if you're not willing to, it may be a sign that you never really truly were forgiven or understand your need to be forgiven. But this is a daily part 
of your prayers, at least it should be, is bringing your shortcomings to God, asking him forgiveness, and forgiving others as well. There's a man that once said to John Wesley, I never forgive anyone. And he responded back, then I hope you've never sinned. You need to be willing to forgive those around you and understand your need for forgiveness from God. So whether physical or spiritual, bring all of your needs to God and trust in him completely for his provision. Now the last part of this is a really important part of our prayer life. That we're to trust in God's protection and power in everything in your life. Now when we pray your kingdom come, that can also mean Jesus return quickly and do everything you need to do to completely thwart the evil one and bring heaven and earth to one place where there's no more sin or pain or sorrows. But until that time happens, we are in a battle. There's a spiritual battle in the life of a Christian. And this prayer concludes with, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We should pray daily for the protection against temptation. And the word lead us not can also mean lead us away from temptation. And the scriptures are clear that God does not tempt people, but Satan does. And he's quite good at it, even though he's not very creative. He's very effective at tempting people. And temptation itself is not a sin. I want to make that clear. If you're feeling tempted with something in your life, that is not the sin. Okay, Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are. But temptation can lead you to sin. And this really means being aware of your weaknesses as a person. Ask God for help. And there's probably a weakness or a temptation in your life that nobody else is aware of but you. God also knows of that weakness and temptation. And Satan might know of that temptation as well. And if he does, he will push every button in your life. Admit your weakness and ask God for help and protection against the temptations in your life. Satan wants to make you think that as long as you're you're tempted, you've already lost. And this is a play of him. That if you're feeling tempted into an area, he's going to heap shame and guilt on you. And he's going to say, you're already a bad person. and Just give in to what this is and give up. But the model of Jesus is saying, when you are feeling tempted, bring it directly to God. Ask for his protection. And maybe it's something in your life of, you know what? There's this uh, sticky situation. And if I know my family member says the wrong thing at holiday dinner, I'm going to lash out on them in anger. God, lead me away from that. Protect my tongue. Whatever it is in your life that you're facing, talk to God about it and ask him to lead you away from that. Pray also that he would deliver us from the evil one. This is really showing the power of Satan, that God is bigger than Satan. We need to have confidence in that. But Satan is more powerful than you. Don't try to fight him in your own power and abilities. It will fail quickly and spectacularly. Trust in God. And what we celebrated last week in Easter is that that Jesus gave the knockout blow to sin and to death. And in him, he holds the keys to all victory. 
Trust in God's power in all of those things in your life. And pray with this alertness to the daily battle that's going on in your life. Pray for God's protection and power over all things. That's kind of the outline that we're given by Jesus. Those four specific areas. And some of you might be thinking as we conclude this morning, wait a second, isn't there something missing? I remember finishing this prayer and there's like a yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Well, that's what we call the doxology of the prayer. And it's a very fitting conclusion to this prayer. And I always pray that as well if I pray this prayer. A lot of the modern translations are going to omit that just because it's not always found in the earlier translations. But I encourage you, if you know that, pray that as well. There's nothing unbiblical about that. And I think it's a fitting ending to this prayer. When we think about how Jesus taught us to pray, and we kick off this series... It's clear that if prayer is going to be powerful in your life, it means praying beyond yourself. It means praying as part of a community, as one of the children of God, and remember who he is in relation to who you are. Just take some time to be amazed at God as you trust things over to him. And second, we understand, is to get your priorities straight in your life. One of the beautiful parts of prayer is realigning what's most important to you. And you might have something that you're praying about over and over and over again in your life. And God might be telling you, no. And he's telling you that for a really important reason. Because he loves you and he wants what's best for you. And what's best for you is contained completely in his will for you. Take prayers a time to sort things out with God and realign the priorities in your life. And then ask him for what you need in the moment and have this full trust in the God who provides. But mostly, trust in God and his power and his protection over all things in your lives. Don't try to do this alone. Bring every part of of you in your Christian walk to God. So as we close today, I thought it would be fitting that we all stand together and say the Lord's Prayer. Now, I did this a while ago. We can stand up now. did this a while ago and realized we all have this memorized differently. Uh, so say it in the way that you have it memorized. If you don't have it memorized, just go ahead and open up your Bible back to Matthew 6 and pray it as you see there in verses 9 through 13. But we'll, let's end with the doxology as well. But I'm going to turn off my mic because it's going to really mess things up if you have it memorized different than me. After we're done praying, I'm going to just close this out quickly and pray together. Let's pray, let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God, as we pray that, we just do pray that that would be true in our hearts, that it's not just a simple repetition of words, but as everything we've talked about today, that we truly uh, just trust in you in all things, that we trust in you for our provision, that we would see you for who you are. God, know that you hold all things together in your hands, and that we could seek your kingdom and your will first above all things. I pray that that would be true in the lives of all of us here that we as your people can truly be crafted into who you want us to be. 
So God, I pray for anyone here who's been struggling with things in their prayer lives, who've been asking for things over and over again, who are feeling frustration or exhaustion or whatever it is. God, may they just have a moment to truly just trust in you and know with confidence that you hear every word that we pray, but you answer in your timing and your will, and that would be enough for us. So God, I pray for us through this series that we continue to learn all of the facets and the dimensions and the depth of prayer in our lives, but it truly become a part of who we are, that we pray to you continuously without ceasing in all matters. So we pray this now in your name, Jesus. Amen.